while waiting on God, I was um, meditating in the Spirit, and I began to ask God, what do you want for us as a church this year? Um, when he told me that I would um, speak the word today, immediately God said, this is what I want. Um, and as someone that is experienced in coming to church, I had other things that I would have loved to share. But then God insisted and said, this is it. Amen. So as we fast and wait upon the Lord in this month of prayer, um, I would just like to share a few tips with us on how to really work with God, on how to really pray, on how to get better as children of God, as sons of the living God. Amen. And if you would like to caption this, you could call it building personal altars, the starting point of intimacy. Building personal altar, the starting point of intimacy. I hope I'm audible enough. Yeah? All right. Thank you very much for the encouragement. <laughs> All right. And um, if you like to, probably our anchor scripture for this is Exodus 20, verses 22 to 26. Last year, before we rounded up, up for the year, we talked about um, how God led children of Israel out of Egypt through the leadership of Moses, and he led them to the promised land. And um, of course, this would help build on our knowledge. So I would assume that we already have some inclination to what God did in Exodus. Amen? Amen. And there will be different sections to the sermon, so please bear with me and follow me. I would like to start by giving um, an incline into what God had in his mind when he created man. God had an intention in his mind when he created man. And along the line, something happened. Man fell. And what then happened? God sent Jesus to restore man. But something salient that we often miss out is that God, when God created man, man was not in his fullness. And I would show us. And for the purposes of this sermon today, when I say man, I'm referring to mankind. I'm not referring to just man alone. Man and woman, male and female. Are we okay with that? All right, thank you very much. <laughs> All right, please turn with me your Bible to um, Genesis 1, that very popular scripture, um, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Let's pause there for a while. God said, I don't want to do Bible study, so I would assume that we've read this scripture, right? I will just bring out the point. He said, let us make man in our image. Amen. So God created us with the intention to look like God. God wanted to experiment. I mean, he is God. He lives in heaven. He's created heaven and the earth. He has angels. But he wanted something that would look like him. He wanted to create He wanted to create, we are not something, but he wanted to create a creature, right, that looked like him, that people would see and say, 
this must be God. He then said, according to our likeness. Likeness is referring to our character, the way we behave. We do things and people will be like, that must be God. When they see you, when they see you open your mouth, this looks like God. You remember that scripture where um, the king said, see, innate in man is the ability to recognize God. There are scriptures, you can see the king, that when they threw the three Hebrew men into fire, he said, there is a fourth person, and the person looked like who? The son of God. When Saul wanted to go to persecute the Christians, and um, God encountered him, what did the first thing he said? He said, Lord, who art thou? That, so there is an innate portion in a man that recognizes God. Amen. Everyone knows that there is a God. It's only a fool that does not recognize that there is God. When, it's not a fool in, in the sense of being derogatory, like someone who doesn't think deeply. That's the meaning. If you think deeply, if you know, if you know for sure, you know that there must be something somewhere and there is a God somewhere. So God's intention was to create something that would look like him in image. If you look at the, if you do a word study of that image, it means the glory of God, the whole essence of God, the DNA of God. After our likeness, our attitude, our outward expressions should look like God. And let them do what? Let them have dominion. This is profound. This is what God created at the beginning. There are scriptures that I could use to back that up. Um, in Hebrews 1 verse 3, the writer of Hebrews was saying, Jesus Christ being an express image of God, the full radiance of glory. So when you see Jesus, is the full image, express image of God. And he was referring to how he manifested the glory of God. The Bible says God is love. God is sinless. Those are characters of God. Those are outward manifestations of God. Amen. So we are supposed to look like that. One other thing we can glean from this scripture, if you turn your Bible again to um, Genesis 3 verse 8, and I would read verse 8 and come to verse 10 as well. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, in the cool of the day, and Adam and Eve hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, God amongst the trees of the garden. Please, can we go to 10? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I hid naked and I hid myself. God created man and did what put him in the garden of Eden. Garden of Eden is similitude of the presence of God. Man was never meant to function outside of the presence of God. It's not a one-time thing. It's not an intervention. It's not a Sunday-Sunday medicine. It was supposed to be in the presence of God. Everything you do within the presence of God. Another thing God gave to them, you can see it, God, in the cool of the day, God would come visiting them. God would seldom come 
and visit them. He would have interaction with them, intermingling, communion. If you are very careful here, you would see that even when they are falling, they could still hear the voice of God. So the fact that you are hearing the voice of God, don't think that's the fullest. There is still so much more. There is that intimacy. God wanted Adam and Eve to come into him. He said, Adam, where are thou? Definitely there would be something way more. God wanted Adam to enter into that place of fellowship. But he said, I heard your voice and I was scared. Amen. All right, so let me move fast because of our time. Another thing, God, that we can take from um, the original intent of God for creation is that God planted different trees in the Garden of Eden. He then planted, of, that, of those several trees, he planted tree of life. That is God himself. Man was supposed to feed on that tree of life to grow to maturity. Can you see? So man was not in his fullness when we fell. I'm going somewhere. Okay? God was constantly looking out for man. When man fell, he had attempted to bring man, and he had this robust plan of Jesus to bring us back to God. However, that restoration to God restored us back to our original position. It didn't restore us to fullness. We are supposed to go back, and those two things God gave to man, which were his presence and the tree of life, we are supposed to feed on them in order to grow to fullness. And when we grow to fullness, what we would look like? We would look like God in image. We would look like God in likeness, and we would look like God in dominion. Image is glory, the essence of God, the DNA of God. When they scratch us, when you, when you take a sample of my blood, you would definitely, and you take a study of it, you can take, you can, you can predict some things, even with that blood. That's, that's what God created us to look like. When they see you, when they see your writing, when they see something about you, this is not ordinary. This looks like God. That is what God created. It's in the Bible. It's not, I'm not the author of this. So when Jesus came, he restored us back to God. I think I'm saying too many things and I'm not backing it up with the scriptures. All right, let's, let's, let's quickly do something. Please turn your Bible with me to um, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 18. We are reading too many scriptures. The Lord would help us. He said, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, Yet now we know him, thus no longer. 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things have passed away. He is a new man. He is back to that original place. If anyone is in Christ Jesus. Amen? All right, let's go to 19. Thank you very much. Okay, all right, it's okay, let's go. So, so you can see that right here, do we, I mean, if you are following me, you can see that we've gotten back to our original place. But meanwhile, God has created us in his image, in his likeness, and we should have dominion. But we've not gotten to that fullness. 
but we are back. If, you, if you've accepted Jesus, all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. Let's quickly do a case study. Let's do a Bible study of what God did with um, Israelites. You would see that when God wants to deal with man, what he typically do is to call them out first, and afterwards he would do what? He would sit with them, and you would hear him talking about altars, communion, fellowship, intimacy. First thing is separation, but it doesn't end there. Amen. Separation does not end, I mean, salvation does not end with forgiveness of sin. There is a higher calling, a calling to becoming God's image, a calling to becoming his likeness, a, a calling to, be, to manifesting that dominion over creation. Amen. All right, so Exodus 19, um, 5 and 6. Exodus 19, verses 5 and 6. See, now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Six, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. A kingdom of priests and a holy nation. This was not to Moses. It was to the whole of Israelites, to everyone. He said, you will be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. If you do a quick word study of priests, priests, what they do is they offer sacrifice. What happened here is a similitude of that bigger picture of what Jesus Christ did. Again, if you equate this to that image and the likeness itself, it's only priests. When you, when you go, when you see God, that's, that, that, you, okay, so image, likeness, equals to priest. Dominion, kingdom. You are not following me. Second Peter, sorry, first Peter verse Chapter 2, verse 9. All right, he said, you are a chosen generation. The first one we read was to the children of Israel, right? This one is saying, this is by the technology of the Spirit again. Peter is bringing it to us to say, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Same thing again. A royal priesthood, dominion, priesthood, image, and character. You are wondering how priesthood equals to image and character, right? Amen. I would wonder too. Quickly turn with me, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. I'm trying to, to um, yeah. But we all with unveiled face, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You can see that we were not at fullness and we are supposed to do something and we are supposed to then get transformed from glory to glory. And that image that we are becoming is Jesus. The Bible says, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Not when we get to heaven. He said, when we see him, we do not yet know what we would look like. But when we see him, we will discover that we are like him. Amen. So that transformation, that becoming like God, is not supposed to happen when we get to heaven. It's right here on earth. Salvation is our full package. All right. So with this, let's go to today's sermon. Amen. <laughs> All right. 
so we can see, I, I, I'm building this, um, um, this foundation so that we, we are able to relate with all of this. God created man in his image, his likeness. He gave them dominion. Man fell. Jesus Christ came, turned us to a new man. We are supposed to be transformed by looking at him from glory to glory to becoming that fullness. We have the end picture, which is to look like God, so that when people see us, they know that this... You know the first time they called Christians, they looked at the, the disciples, these people look like Jesus Christ. That was the origin. They looked like him. So we are supposed, people are supposed to see us, and there's something different about us. But when we ourselves, we are not clearly... When, when the difference is not clear, um, it's a call to assignment, it's a call to work. That means we've not gotten there. Amen. All right. So, how did God then say that we should um, um, journey with him to becoming this full man that God wanted us to, to be? Again, let's look at what God's original plan was. The tree of life and the presence. The tree of life is symbolic. The tree of life, that's the word of God. That's the word of God. His presence is that communion and which is the intimacy that we're talking about. I would like to say some things. Uh, intimacy is not just a buzzword. Intimacy is having a relationship with God. Like, I know Jem now. You probably, oh, I saw you, I said, Happy New Year, and you responded. Like, having that relationship with God such that by the time I'm done with this, you can go back and say, God, what did he say? Did you send him? Did he say it correctly? No, I'm, 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 I'm driving to a point. Like that intimacy, that relationship where you know God. The Bible says those that know their God, they shall be strong. Their God is not... There is a place of corporate fellowship. There is a place of coming together. But there is a place of your home God. In Psalm, I think either 38 thereabouts, the Bible says, he fashioned their hearts individually. God wants to have intimacy with you so that you can get to where you are going to, so that I can get to becoming that image. Those are the two modalities that God has given to us to becoming that image. If there is anything that you will take out of the sermon today, determine within your heart that now I know what you have called me to be. I know what you've done. I know that you've restored me back. And I know that I'm supposed to look at you. The unveiled face is what Jesus Christ did. I don't want to go into that Bible study. The veil of the temple was turned aside. That unveiled. That, it was what Jesus Christ did. So once the veil is taken away, then we then behold him so that that transformation can happen. In Luke chapter 9, verse 29, the Bible says, as Jesus Christ prayed, the fashion of his countenance was changed. When you pray, there's something, is, when you look at the mirror, something then begins to reset within you. God begins to shape us. Amen. And how does this happen? It's by having your personal altar, by having this personal relationship with God, such that when you go out in the morning, you say a blue car, maybe this might be too complicated, right? 
when you saw a blue car, you can tell the Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit is, is a person. You can relate with him. Sometimes he comes, makes joke. Any witness in the house? He's a person. Sometimes he would tell you, don't do this. You would want to do some things, you will go to him, you tell him as well. And he will tell you, okay, it's fine, it's okay, but this is not okay. Amen. And you're wondering, how do we get onto this? Let's see what, um, let's look at what God did for Israelites. Hopefully we'll be able to learn one or two things from it. So let's go to our Bible text, Exodus 20. Verse 22. So we'll stop at 26. So please follow me. And the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make anything to be with me, gods of silver or gods of gold. You shall not make for yourself. 24. An altar of earth you shall make for me. Let me pause there. Remember, he had already named them a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That was in chapter 19. This is chapter 20. God is then saying to them, build an altar for me, an altar of earth, an altar of clay, an altar made of clay. God wants you to come into him and you don't have your agenda. And I will show us very shortly. God wants you to be fluid. God wants you to be able to say, yes, Lord. You know when you are in the journey to becoming like something, you can't come in with your own agenda. It defines the end game, the end goal. It calls the shot. An author of health. I want you to be malleable. I want you to be to be like clay in the hand of the potter. I want to be able to fashion your heart. That's what it means. And you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings. I will soon show us that we are the sacrifice. Ah, a song is coming to my spirit, but I know we don't know it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, well, maybe for people that are very, um, 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 that would like to know, when you read your Bible, Romans 12, said, present yourselves as what? A living sacrifice. We are the sacrifice. So let's go. He said, your sheep and oxen, in every place where I record my name, I will come to you. I will bless you. 25. And if you, will, if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it with new stones. What this means is, Yes, God recognized that, yes, you've gone too far. You've done so many things. You don't have to fake it to come to God. If you are no longer hurt, if you are no longer clay, God says, if you want to do that, ensure you do not build it with ill stones. For if you put, what does ill stones mean? He said, if you use your tool on it, you have profaned it. If you want to look holy, to come to God, you have profaned it. Ah, I want to. They say we should not do this. The Christians don't lie. Ah, yeah, God knows. He's your father. He's not me. You just finished lying. Yeah, go and meet him. He said, don't fake it. If you've gone past what you should look like, don't fake it. 
don't, 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 don't pretend to be someone else when coming to me. Because when you pretend, you have profaned it. Amen? All right, 26. The other instruction God gave to Israelites was that you shall not go up by steps to my altar that your nakedness may not be exposed on it. You may not go up by steps. Duncan can pray for 20 hours. Ah, before I will pray, I have to do 20 hours. That's what it means by step. Oh, someone can speak in tongue for 15 minutes before starting praying. I can't. All I know how to do is, God, I'm here. What do you have for me? Don't go up by step. From where you are now, with what you know how to do, go to God. Build me an altar. That's where journey to intimacy starts. Amen. This is the instruction that God gave to Israelites as he was telling them about building an altar. Remember, he had told them who they were, a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. He wanted them to build an altar, personal altar unto God. Amen. So let's look at some practicalities of what this altar represents in the New Testament and what... Um, it is in our world today. Amen. Remember, altar is a place where God comes. Altar is a place where we make sacrifices. Bond offering, what happens with bond offering is, if you do some Bible study there, is the fire comes on the offering and burns the entire offering completely and the aroma that goes up to heaven pleases God. That's offering. So, what does this then mean in our world today? Let me, I think I'm moving away from my, from my script. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. <laughs> Alright. So, altar is a place of constant, unbroken, continuous, two-way communication between us and God. Constant, unbroken, I'm not praying to God for, um, I mean, I could use myself, I'm praying to God for provision, or I'm trusting God for healing. No. Over and beyond that, as I'm healed, God, was the next thing? I'm going out. God, I'm going out. I'm here. God, I'm here. I want to travel. God, I'm traveling. Not like you use God when you want to use him, and you then go away again. It's constant unbroken, conscious relationship between you and God, between me and God. Don't forget the end goal is to look like him. It's not to look like Duncan. It's not to look like Goke or anybody or any pastor that you know. It's to look like God. So he has to be consistent. He has to be constant. Please don't forget some of those salient points. He's author of earth or in stone that you've not used any tool on. Go to him the way you are. But don't forget what the end goal is. Look at what he has provided. And he said he himself would come and meet with you. So altar is interactive and it is progressive. It is two-way. As you speak to God, God is speaking to you. God is saying, you know what? I need you to fast today. Ah, I want to stop the fasting by 12. God is saying, no. Today, there are times when you want to eat and it will look like a sin. 
And God is saying, no, today is for fast. Amen? <laughs> okay. One other thing is, altar is a place of sacrifice and a place of exchange. What do we exchange? We exchange our will, our ambitions, our desires. We let it go. And we say, yes, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do, I cooperate with you because I know the end goal. So altar is a place where animals die. Paul said, I die daily. When you die once, you live for the rest of this life. But when you die twice, then there is a problem. Dying twice is separation from God. See, death in the Bible is separation from God. It's corruption. It said, for any day you shall eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Did Adam die physically? But he was separated from God. Right? So when you see, there are places in the Bible when you see death, it's talking about separation from God. And it's a place where you go there and you're like, God, I want to do this, I want to have this, I want to do this. But you go there and you lay everything on the altar to die. It's a place of exchange. You exchange your will, your desires for the will of God. I don't know why it keeps coming back to me that for the end goal, to look like God. Jesus Christ, for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross for the joy. So if we would only keep this end goal in view, we might be able, yeah, no, we might be, we will definitely be able to, because God also gives grace. Amen. But please don't forget the end goal. Anything short of God's image is not the end goal. Anything short of that, that's not what God created man for. Anything short of that, please don't take it. It's scriptural. Don't take it. Anything short of God's image, God's character, God's likeness, don't take it. And how we do do this is by building an altar, by coming into this intimacy with him. A good starting point is we're in our month of fasting and prayer. You can pray to God. When you pray to God, ensure you get something. It's two-way. It's two-way. It's not, God, I want this. And in fact, some of us, when we pray, we don't, even, we, don't, we don't even wait to hear God before we leave. We assume he has heard us, and that's it. And God, there are three responses God can give to any request. He could tell you a yes, a no, or a wait. That wait is the toughest, personally. Is it because, number one, to even discern that wait itself, you want God to say yes. You have an idol in your heart. We usually have, we are usually inclined to a response. God, I want to take this job. I know, I know this is what I like. I know this is where, so I'm inclined and probably, so it's difficult to hear wait. No is difficult to admit, but you, you take it. God says, no, I don't want it. So, for some of us, it's easier, but that wait, for you to even discern that God is saying wait, it takes exercise. And meanwhile, God is trying to fashion something within you. It might be patience. It might be love. It might be long-suffering. Those are some of the things he's doing when we are working on the altar. Nothing can beat the end goal of God. There is no plan you have for yourself 
that will be more superb to the plan of God. We've seen it in the scripture. It's scattered everywhere. Nothing. Not, no. Do you want to have more money? You want to have more rest? You want to have, what else? Do you want to travel? You Mention it. Nothing would beat the plan of God. If and only if God would, um, if we would cooperate to God to becoming like him. Amen. So prayer number one is a good starting point. Now that you know, you go back to God in prayer. I was listening to Nat over the week, and um, I think I, I, I heard another, I saw another video from Robin on how to pray to God. How to pray to God. How to pray to God. He said sometimes, where is Nat? I'm looking. Oh, yeah. He said sometimes he doesn't know what to pray. Sometimes it's fine. Feel free to go to him. He's your father. Don't, don't copy anybody. Don't, don't be churchy. Don't be um, religious when you pray. Pray to him. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation means no, oh, you've done it right or wrong. For those who walk after the laws of the Spirit. The only law you obey is the law of the Spirit. Anyone that attempts to condemn you, well, maybe for guidance when you are still babes. God can, God can lead people on our path and say, ah, no, 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 when you, this is sin, this is clear sin. But as you mature, you will discover that some things are not sins, but God will say, no, you can't do it. Paul said, there are things that are good, but they are no expedient for me. In Hebrews, the Bible says we should lay aside every weight and sin that easily besets us. Those weights, they are not necessarily sins, but they are weights. They are holding us back. And God is saying, no, food today is, weight, is a weight. You have to let go of food. Oh, sleep today is a weight. You have to wait on me. Amen. Amen. Some practical examples. I could remember there were times when um, I would probably not, um, I would want to sleep and sleep on your come. And I could feel it. God is saying, no, stand up, go and pray. I will struggle. After two hours, I would eventually obey. <laughs> then I'll pray for when I have that feedback from God. Always know that whenever you pray, the end of your prayer is when you have feedback from God. Don't ever mistake in prayer for a one-way communication. You are praying to someone. And God has given a spirit inside of us. There is a Holy Spirit within you. He said, the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. There is Holy Spirit within you. When you pray, come to God the way you are. And sometimes when you are finding it difficult to really pray, you can tell God, you can, you can, you can pray in tongues. The Bible says, for we know not how to pray, but the Spirit helps our infirmity with groanings that cannot be heard. Sometimes you are struggling. You don't even know if to say thank you. You don't even know if to say, God, please. You don't, you don't know what to say. Go to God. That way you are. That's what God wants. In fact, this, the, the, okay. sometimes because we have metamorphosed from clay to stone, it's another way that God wants to really, really want to meet with us. Remember the story of Saul when he became Paul. God had planned his life. The guy was building all sorts of competencies, all sorts of strength, 
without knowing that um, all of them will be transformed to be used. Amen. So feel free to know. He has fashioned you. He has fashioned me. He knows your journey. From the beginning, God declares the hand right from the beginning. He knows that you would be in this service today. He knows where you would be tomorrow. And he has a plan for you. Amen. Another good thing to do is to study the word of God. This book of the Lord, this book of the Lord shall not depart out of your mouth. Let me tell us one thing about the word of God. Because we are human, we are product of influence. While growing up, they told me you have to eat maybe three times a day or four times. I don't know what they told you. But for me, it was, they said three times um, breakfast, lunch, dinner. They told me I have to do this. So there were so many things. They said, when someone does like this to you, the person means no. So we are made up of influences. So within us, the word of God is supposed to resident within us. And if God says you are healed, you are supposed to meditate on that word up to the point where when things happen to you, your response is, I am healed. So there are two sections to the mind of man. We have the active session, section and we have the subconscious mind. We are supposed to read the word of God and meditate on the word of God up to the point where our subconscious mind, what fuels it is the word of God. So when you read the word and you think you've read two chapters, no, that's not the end goal. The end goal is to change what is reflex within you such that when they wake us up, and even sometimes when we are dreaming, is the word of God that is coming out. Because you've so saturated yourself with the word of God, you know you are no longer moved by your feelings. You are no longer moved by what you, what you can see, what people tell you. The only thing that gets you to move is the word of God. Amen? He said, when God restored us to becoming a new man, and we are supposed to feed of the tree of life, because we are dead, we are now back to life. But the only thing that, when, you know a dead man, when you pinch a dead man, he doesn't respond. When you pour it on a dead man, he doesn't do anything. He's dead. And that was what God did for us. We are only supposed to respond to the life of God. The only thing that should make us move, that should get us agitated, that should get us happy, any emotions, name them, is the word of God. Sometimes the word of God might align with what is surrounding us physically. But as children of God, it's only the word of God that should make us move. Amen. Oh, okay. I think um, I should be rounding up. So, key feedback, when, when, when you pray, ensure you always hear God. Get, get into the word. And if God tells you something, like as we are done today, make it a practice. Go back home. Go and tell God, I heard something today. What do you have to say? All right. Another thing is, personally, I have, I have channels that naturally I keep them on. In my house, in my room. Somehow, there's a channel where they're always praying. So if I go and come back, it reminds me of who I am. It charges my environment. I don't, I don't um, because I know that I know that I'm a product of influence, and if I give myself to those influences, I would be like that. They will tell us, oh, when you feel this pain, you are sick. When you have this headache, oh, that's symptoms of something. 
But when you come into this environment, I'm able to also train my subconscious mind. So you could do that as well. You could find good channels that would um, probably build up, that would edify you, that would help you connect more. Amen. Yieldedness is the key to amplification. This is the last thing I would say. And probably give us a scripture for us to read, maybe uh, personally. Yieldedness is the key to amplification. When God tells you stuff, when God tells you to do things and you yield to God, you, become, you discover that that voice, that channel becomes more amplified up to the point where you know it. And when they say, what did God tell you about this? Oh, God said this. Yieldedness. But when you kill that prompting within you, you might wake up in the morning and a song is singing in your spirit, man. If I were you, I would just find that song and play it. Something is about to break loose from your inside. Amen. Yieldedness is the key to amplification. Last scripture, Hebrews 5. Um, Hebrews 5.11. Yeah. said, Of who, who have much to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing, let's go to 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you against, again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. Again, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the world of righteousness, for he is a babe. When you stay at that point of, oh, everything is forgiveness and you're unable to go, we are still at that milk state. We can see that there is a progression, right? But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Underlined by reason of use. Sometimes you might miss it. Sometimes you miss the voice of God. Don't be perplexed. Remember when God called Samuel? I, I, I thought God would, would have said, oh, Samuel, don't go to Eli again. I'm the one calling you. No, he still, he still kept on calling him. The guy went to Eli. said, go back, I didn't call you. God said, Samuel, God, you should have said, I'm the one, don't go again. God said, no, he, still, he went back. The third time, he then said, just say, I am here, God, speak. Right. So, who by, the, by reason of you? So, sometimes we have to train ourselves and retrain ourselves up to the point where we are able to clearly hear God and say, I hear God say this to me. So, don't um, be discouraged if you are starting out new and um, it looks like you are even confusing. You don't know if this is your mind or if, it's, if this is God and um, by reason of use. And with time, you grow. Unto maturity. Amen. Are we blessed?